Jays won the first game of their series last night against the woeful Baltimore Orioles, who are now 50 and a half games out of first place and who were the first team in Major League Baseball last night to be eliminated from contention for the postseason as Oakland won later in the evening. Here is Richard Griffin, who sat through that entire episode last night. Richard, congratulations on that. Yeah, congratulations to you, flying solo. So, it's your Charles Lindbergh moment. Are you wearing a leather helmet and goggles? I am. I am, Richard. Uh, let's hope it goes better than the Hindenburg flight. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep, or Amelia Earhart, we'll keep an eye on that. She wasn't solo, I guess. But um, I want to talk to you a little bit about Aaron Sanchez to start with. And, and I don't know if you heard a moment ago on the update, Buster only saying this morning, like another tough outing for, for Sanchez and his rehab stint. How concerned should the Blue Jays be about this? Well, I think uh, what would temper the concern is the fact that he threw 86 pitches, and I know that 44 of them were balls and 42 strikes, which is not a good ratio. But I think with uh, with the concern uh, over his finger and whether it, I mean, this one is not uh, a blister, uh, but it's still a finger issue, same finger. I, I think that the 86 pitches should be a reason for optimism, um, but not not the result. I think he's going to need at least one more uh, outing maybe at Buffalo the next time and then in September come up and, and try and get back in the rotation. But uh, as far as, as the number of pitches, he's gone steadily upwards. I think 75 was his previous outing and 86 this time. So so that's one way to look at it in terms of encouragement. But clearly, Richard, starting this season, the idea was that Sanchez was going to be the ace of the staff and if they were going to have a successful year, he was going to be a big part of it. He obviously wasn't, and they're not in in contention. Right. I mean, it, it, uh, when you look back at it, um, without Sanchez and, and Stroman getting off to a slow start and getting hurt, and uh, Jay Happ was really the only reliable starter in that group, in that five-man group, that at spring training we were debating whether it was a top five in the American League rotation. And so that completely fell apart. Now they're going to have to roll the dice on both those guys because they're controllable Sanchez and Stroman they're controllable uh, through 2020 so they've got a couple of more seasons uh, we've we've talked on the show before about my belief that 2020 is a realistic uh, season for them to look at so they got 2019 to evaluate what they have in Stroman and, and what they have in Sanchez and what they have as a matter of fact in in the young starters that are are now populating the rotation so um, you know they definitely have to make up their mind in 2019 whether they can rely on Sanchez and Stroman. So I suppose the question, you know, did Stroman take a step forward last night? It's one look. It's one start. You, you got to be careful taking a snapshot and turning into a movie. But was that a step forward last night? For Sanchez. For Stroman. For Stroman. Um, Stroman is. Uh, he's. He's. <laughs> showed pictures of his uh, blister, which um, I don't think is a five-day blister. I don't think it's a 10-day DL. I don't think he's just missing one start. It's going to be into September uh, before you see what, what happens with him yeah. moving forward. So I, I think both those guys will, if they're lucky, get back into the rotation. It's more likely than Stroman uh, first, but I, I don't think Stroman has taken a step forward. That's trouble, right? That is trouble. I mean, here's a guy who's going into his second year of arbitration. He lost the first year and was very upset about it. Um, you know, and he, he still talks the talk. 
he doesn't walk the walk at this point, but he talks to talk about still having the chance to be a dominant starter in the American League um, for a long time. But, you know, time is running out for him to prove that. And for all those who say that uh, that a right-handed starter under 5'10 has a very difficult time, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's part of it. But uh, he still has the confidence. He just needs to step up and and uh, walk the walk. So when I say a step forward for Stroman, I mean in terms of you know acknowledging that he's not right and and sort of addressing it, as opposed to this sort of dance he's been doing, which is the last month or so, which which hasn't seemed to be very productive. Well, I, I think he's tried to be the uh, the the counter Sanchez in terms of. Uh, this blister is not going to affect me. I'm going out there next time. I'm going to take the ball every five days and despite the blister. But I think the only thing that he's come to grips with is reality. And, uh, and that, that includes uh, sending out an Instagram photo of that huge blister on his finger. I, you know, there's no way that he could get back out there on the mound. Uh, he pitched through it maybe three or four times, and all of them ended up being shorter outings because of the blister and finally they just you know they they can't go along with it anymore can't send him out there every fifth day september's coming up chance to bring up uh, some other starters right. season's lost it's not as lost as the Orioles season <laughs> i mean being eliminated <laughs> yesterday but uh, yeah no i don't think it was that much of a step forward i think it was just coming to grips with reality so to speak coming to grips is this just bad luck for the blue jays i mean are a lot of players or a lot of pitchers around major league baseball having blister and finger issues that I'm just not noticing? Yeah, the, the, there's a uh, much larger number that I can ever remember in my 43 years, and I, and I think we touched on it yesterday. I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, there's new baseballs every pitch. A lot of it has to do with these guys, you know, they don't do anything off the field to strengthen and toughen their, their skin on their hands and fingers. And uh, you know they don't. All they do is work out in the off season. Used to be guys <laughs> were baling hay and and doing farm chores. I mean that's where the large majority of pitchers came from in the uh, 30s through 50s, and they never had blister problems. But now you've got the balls. Now you've got uh, guys with soft hands, and it, it's becoming a problem more than more than we see here because we're so Blue Jays centric you just notice it here but it it is a problem around baseball how did the Orioles get so bad they made the playoffs three times in five years and then the last two years they've been horrible I mean they're terrible yeah and and it's it's sad to see Buck Showalter yeah wandering around uh pregame he walked past me while I was doing um the phone interview last night and he just looked so pitiful and I think that, you know, given the players that he has, given the fact that they traded Manny Machado and didn't really get much back, um, given the fact that for the last three or four years, Dan Duquette, the GM, has been putting together a rotation of cast-off free agents, and he's been getting away with it because Chris Davis, they've had some good hitters, yeah. Mark Trumbo, Chris Davis, Manny Machado. They've been able to overcome... Uh, a, a regularity of five inning mediocre starts from their starting pitchers, and this year they can't do it. They don't have the offense. Chris Davis having perhaps the worst year of any uh, anybody making that much money in history, 
and uh, they just they've got too many things to overcome. They traded away their closer. Um, and it's not going to get any better in the last month and a half for them. So who's to blame here? Is this ownership? Is this the, is this the, the Angelos family? What is it? Oh, it's, it's the Angelos family. Um, it's, it's, it's the fact that they've let their farm system go to waste. It's the fact that they've ignored international free agents over the years. It's the fact that, uh, you know, I know that I helped uh, Canadian scout go to work for the Orioles, and they let them go after two years because they weren't interested in scouting Canada anymore. Um, so they sort of stayed at home, and now their fans are staying at home. So <laughs> it's come full circle for them. Um, Joel Sherman of the New York Post reporting today that uh, Justin Smoke has gone through waivers unclaimed, which means he can now be traded to any team. Do you think there'll be much of a market for him? Um, I, I think there might be, but, uh, you know, I, I think you could, any writer could guess and say so-and-so has gone through waivers unclaimed um, because it's very rare to see somebody get claimed. I mean, the August period, August 31st is important because the player needs to be on a roster to be eligible for the postseason, needs to be on a 40-man roster to be eligible for the postseason. So that's an imp- the importance of that date. But there's the vast majority of players have gone through waivers unclaimed. Um, you know, Donald, the Donaldson situation is different because he's on the DL and he needs to be playing before they can even put him on waivers. Uh, he can be playing in the minor leagues and then they can put him on waivers and, and then we'll see what happens. But for Justin Smoke, I think all the contenders have legit first basemen that are comparable or uh, better than Justin Smoke, not defensively, but all around. And uh, I think that he'll stay put for the rest of the year. Rich, I know you love baseball. You, 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 you manage amateur baseball in the Toronto area, and you've been watching it for, as you said, 40-plus years. I watched the game last night, was flipping around watching some other games. I, I have to say, honestly, as, as someone who is a casual baseball watcher, the entertainment level is, is not high for me. And, you know, we, we heard the Elias Sports Bureau talk about April being the first month in baseball history where there were more strikeouts than hits. It happened again in June. Right now, it's neck and neck between hits and strikeouts in baseball this year. I think there's been 150 more hits than strikeouts. Yeah, I, I agree with you, um, Gord. It's, it's, you know, you look at the game last night and, and the fact that the two teams combined were 80-some games out of first place. But it's just... The amount of action in the game, it's every time there's a close play, the umpires look to the dugout and you wait 30 seconds. And it's not even whether there's a review, it's whether there's going to be a review that, that right. causes that delay. And it just interrupts the flow. Everybody who used to watch a game and then a play was made, then the next batter stepped in. Now everybody, after a play, after a close play, looks up at the uh, TV for a replay and waits to see whether they're going to a challenge or not, and, and that's not the way baseball should be played. If you're not going to trust umpires to make the calls, and I agree that there are certain calls that need to be reviewed, but if you're not going to trust umpires to make the basic calls, then just do away with them and bring in the electronic and experiment in the minor leagues and then bring it to the major leagues. But just get the game moving again and, and, and get the fans back into interest and get some action on the field like there used to be, because there's so many good athletes out oh, there. terrific. And they're not being allowed to really uh, strut their stuff. And, well, and that's, that's something that they're going to have to solve. There's something different for me, too. So last night there were 15 hits in the game, okay, between the two teams. 
Now, obviously, two last place teams, but still, 15 hits in a three-hour game. That's a hit every 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 it's like we're just sitting waiting for the next home run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I think it's, as you said, the balls that are not put in play. I mean, people are talking about MVP, and they're looking at guys who drew the most walks. Are you going to give an MVP <laughs> to a guy because he didn't swing the bat? I think that that's going about it the wrong way. I think too much emphasis, and, and call me old school, but too much emphasis on on-base percentage, um, I remember Frank Thomas. I talked to him when he was with the Jays, and, and, and he was always able to swing only at balls in the strike zone. If a pitch was two inches off the outside corner, he wouldn't swing at it. He had right. that good a batting eye. And I'm saying to him, I said, you're, the, you're batting third or fourth in the lineup. You're expected to drive in runs. If first base is open and there's a runner on second base, you taking that pitch two inches off, and getting a walk doesn't help. That's not what you're paid to do. Right. And I think that there's not enough of that going on in terms of, of the big players taking the big role. I think there's too much analytics, too much uh, money at stake in terms of, oh, yeah, my OPS. And OPS is becoming obsolete now, but that's one that I <laughs> understand just, I was anyway. just figuring it out. Yeah, you, I, can't, you can't do that. And, and and that's where the money is, and um, I just it, it's it's not ruining the game. I don't want to sound like an old fuddy duddy, no, no, but no, but I, I'm just talking about someone who wants to be entertained. I'm, yeah, like, absolutely. Like to, to me, entertainment, honestly, more than a home run, first and third, and, and nobody out is entertaining. Like when a team gets a rally going, when you know when you got a chance to score multiple runs. I mean, home runs are great, but they kind of happen. They look the same. I mean, a close play at the plate. Those kind of things, when you get a rally going, the crowd starts to build and stays built for a while, is entertaining to me. Yeah, and and to me, the technology on television for all sports. I mean, you watch golf and they got the tracker yeah. and they got this and that. I used to watch golf and they'd show the last three holes and they'd show a drive and you'd look up in the sky and you couldn't see the ball. <laughs> and, and that was television golf and and right now there's there's no sport that has taken to tv better than baseball and they just need to take advantage of that and and create more action and create more movement and create more situations like you just described first and third nobody out let's see what's going on get on the edge of your seat and get, and play along with these guys and 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 let's let's get something going well, Richard, I don't know what the Toronto Stars paying you to go to every game of a Toronto Baltimore series, <laughs> but it's not enough. Well, well, I, I do, uh, I do have the laptop open and maybe on some other, uh, <laughs> some, some other things. But. Are you binging Netflix while you're at the game? Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Richard, thanks for talking to us. Okay, Gord, good luck. Thanks. That's our old friend Richard Griffin of the Toronto Star.